And that word was simplify. Stacy, just simplify. Bring it back to the core of who we are as believers, of what we need to focus on, of who it is we need to focus on, and how do we operate in the body of Christ here. You know, have you ever noticed how life uh, gets to going and everything goes along and all the things that you have to do kind of drown out the important things? And we call that the tyranny of the urgent, not the urgent care. The tyranny of the urgent. Urgent care is good. But the tyranny of the urgent is things that come along that may not necessarily be important or they might be important. These may be very important things, but often they grab us and we forget the main thing. We forget to keep the main thing the main thing. So the best way for us in 2018 uh, to make sure our focus is correct is to really come back to a thought of just simplify, to distill what it is that we are about as believers. And as I read Scripture, I kept coming back to a certain passage. And the passage is very familiar to us. It's a familiar passage to us, but it's, it's a passage that I think really encapsulates who we are to be as believers. Would you turn to Luke 10, verse 25? Luke 10. Verse 25, we pick up the narrative here. Jesus is in his earthly ministry. Things are going on. He's healing people. All this, this is happening. And in verse 25, we come to this, uh, this story. A lawyer stood up and put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a test. A lawyer in this time was one who was studied in the law of God, the Torah. So the Hebrew law, what the first five books that God gave to the Jewish people. He's one who stood uh, and, and st- uh, sat and studied. His life was devoted to this law, this law of God. And so, being a lawyer, being very protective of the Torah, being protected of Moses, he's, he desired to put Jesus to a test, to try to trip him up, to see if he would take him away from the Torah. And I think his, even his question is instructive. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus responds to him. He says to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? Since you asked, what shall I do? How does it read to you? What does it say? And so the man, uh, the lawyer, answers correctly, correctly. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, just a little insight. The, the lawyer took, him, took Jesus back in that statement to Deuteronomy 6. It begins with Shema, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your... He quotes that verse. He takes him also to Leviticus. Leviticus 19, verse 18. He speaks of loving your neighbor as yourself. And so he answers correctly from Moses' law. But it was, indeed, as we would say, probably head knowledge. 
And this is a familiar story with familiar commands. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Next story. And we're not even gotten to the Good Samaritan part yet. That'll be next week. But it is familiar. It is part of this that we think about, okay, I am to love God. I'm going to love my neighbor. And sometimes we put this on a shelf. What Jesus is doing is bringing, and he does so in other places, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. And the second is like unto that, to love your neighbor as yourself. And in two statements, not only Moses but Jesus summarizes the Ten Commandments of how we are to relate not only to God but also to others. And so as I was meditating upon this love God, sort of reading through Scripture, and sometimes I just take passages and read, I know I have the benefit. It wasn't always this way. I was thinking that this year, um, this will be the 10th year um, and, uh, of, our, of our church coming up in May. Um, and it was when I turned uh, 39, 40, 41, I became a pastor I worked and did all these things as probably most of you do. Now, in this stage of my life, I have the, the privilege of just reading passages of Scripture. Not only as my job, but as my pursuit of God. But I was thinking, it is so easy to love God, isn't it? And then I thought, wait a second. It isn't always easy to love God because we love other things. How do we instruct ourselves how to love God? As I read, read passages after passage, begin seeing what we already know from Scripture about God. Begin to understand again that we cannot hope to love God until we understand that God Himself is love. That God Himself is love. We studied last year in 1 John, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's not that he just loves, but he is love. He is the embodiment of love. It is part of who he is. Verse 9, I didn't put it on the screen here, but by this the love of God was manifested to us and that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation Satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we had also to love one another. And for us as humans to love God, we must understand God's love for us. And if you take just simply a couple of words, four words that speak of God's love and how he loves, we understand that God's love is voluntary. It's a love that is not required for us. He voluntarily loves us. The most famous verse in Scripture, sometime in the, you know, the football games, on the, there or the sign, for God so loved the world that he gave. God gave. He was not required. In justice, he could have punished And began again. God gave. God's love is is giving. 
He, we love Him because He first loved us. His love is giving. Another way to, to understand it is that when we give, we are simply reflecting the giving nature of God's love. Jesus told the disciples it's better to give than to receive. Jesus is merely echoing the love of God that is voluntary, that is giving. It's a giving love. This is God's love to us. God's love is righteous. Which is, which is an interesting facet of the love of God that it is, it is a righteous love. What does that mean? It means when he loves, he loves in a perfect and a right way. We think of, and I'll splash the, the verse on the screen here, that God showed his love for us in the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This love, this giving love was righteous because our sin was so great, it demanded a payment that we could not make. And in righteousness, his righteous love is what compelled the Savior to come and to die for us and to give his life voluntarily, out of love, a righteous payment for us. If we think about this love and how it, how it is, this love is, is, again, next eternal. This love is eternal. I'm reminded of the, the chapter in Romans 8, who will separate us from the love of Christ with tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword, just as it is written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through Him who loved us. Notice here that Paul didn't say loves us, which indeed he does. But I suspect that Paul wanted to use a verb tense that is a snapshot that is normally associated with the past to draw our attention to that greatest act of love at the cross. That he loved us so much that he gave of himself. We use this phrase that Jesus became cursed for us. Cursed. You ever wondered why it is so hard for a Jewish person to receive Jesus as their Messiah, to, to understand or to, to grasp the concept that He is Messiah. Well, very much in their culture, in the, in the Torah itself, there is that curse on the one who hangs upon a tree. He who is hanged is cursed of God. Jesus became cursed for us. That righteous love that's given to us, was shown first on the cross, or foremost on the cross for us. And so as Paul continues in chapter 8, he says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This eternal love of God. This righteous love of God. This love that continues not only past, present, but future. This is a God who loves. 
Indeed, we must come to grips with the understanding of who God is, that He is love. And you and I must be thoroughly convinced of the love of God. If we are not, we choose to love other things because we think that His love is not great enough. We never come to the point where God is enough if we don't understand that He is love, that He has graciously given Himself to us. God is love. I would submit to you that much of the problems in our lives stem from the lack of an understanding of God's love, or worse, a mistrust of His love. If we mistrust Christ's love, God's love to us, then we substitute other things, other philosophies, other people, our own. We set ourselves up as the sole arbiter of what is right and good because We mistrust God's love. And so we act out. We sin because we don't trust or don't understand His love. But if we fully grasp the love of God, we would respond differently. You and I would be enraptured with the love of God. It would be all-consuming that we see who He is. We see how He has visited us with great love and great mercy and great grace that it would be overwhelming to us. And that we would respond in love because God is love. We would see the beauty of God's love. Even through the trials of life, and we often say, well, God doesn't love me because this happened to me. And we think to me instead of this happened for me. The struggles that we endure, the trials often are those things that help direct us to look up to God. And sometimes... They're there to, for us to grow and to see God's glory made manifest in our lives. I'm reminded of uh, blind Bartimaeus. And others that uh, the disciples said, no, this man's blind. Did he sin or did his parents? And Jesus said, neither. All of our difficulties aren't because of our sin. Now, sometimes we do. It's the consequence of our own actions. And we live with those and we confess and God brings encouragement, but we may still live with the scars of this. But when things come into our lives, we examine, yes, but we understand there's a God who loves us, who desires to work in and through us to reveal more broadly His love for us. We might see Him and love Him wholly and truly. It's a familiar story. It's the love of God that we must see. So if we see the love of God, then we go to how do we love God ourselves? So again, he said, how does it read to you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. With the heart. I'm reminded of the passage. It says, where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Have a thought about that? What you treasure. You want to know what you love? Do I want to know what I love? What do I treasure? What is it that I want to protect? Maybe I love my reputation, so I protect that. Maybe I love other things, fame, ambition. Maybe I love comfort, I protect that. Whatever it is, I know what I love, but what I protect, what I treasure. Love God, make Him your treasure. My soul. We think of this word, and we think of that being the Uh, Some would call this the center of psychological uh, or faculties, maybe the heart, the mind, the conscience, that part of us 
to love him with all of our soul. You start to see a fuller picture here. With all of our strength, our efforts, we don't give God the last of our strength, but the first of our strength. We make the pursuit of him and the the love of him our greatest effort. For us who understand the economy of God, we know that everything else will burn up except souls, our life lived out for God. So giving our strength, our devoting our strength to the loving God sets us on the right path. We can't love others until we love God. Our strength. And then our mind. Setting the, the thinking part of us on God. Loving God. And what you see here is a complete, a, a wholehearted, an unreserved Love for God. Not holding anything back. But a full devotion to Him. Giving all to Him. You know, loving God begins with knowing God. Um, it's that process to find out who God is. We, we read His Word. Um... Not, not to receive a blessing or to receive instruction, but to know who God is. Who, who is He? Let me read to find out about Him. Let me find out more today than I did yesterday. And it's all about knowing God. First, we know Him in salvation. That kind of is, is a given. We, we know God through experiencing His great work in our hearts and lives and saving us and forgiving us and releasing us from sin that, that chains us. We know Him in salvation. But we also know Him in fellowship, in communing with God. You recognize the word from last year. But together, the participation, the koinonia. And I'll just, here's the, light, the slide from last year, and I didn't realize it was so jumbled until I just pulled it over. Sorry, you know. Um, that's a lot of words. But koinonia is really a close association, a fellowship. Paul uses it as a participation in the gospel. He writes to one of the churches. It's that fellowship of knowing God that participates in, in what God is doing, that places ourselves in the hands of God and use me. I want to know you. I want to fellowship with you in your word, by your Holy Spirit. And, and so to participate in your, your economy, what you're doing in the world, God. To love him. It's that fellowship with him. And it comes from spending time with God. Um, Ian Bowne says, you pray until you pray. Uh, and maybe we've all been here. You go to pray, and <clears throat> it's like uh, every, you know, you, you get two sentences and uh, some, another thought comes, like, ah. And that's part of life. That's just part of our busy lives and things like that. That's why Ian Bounds goes says, pray until you pray. Keep on praying. Spending time with God in His Word and prayer. See, He uses His, Holy Spirit uses God's Word to, to work in us. And as we begin to, to desire to know God, He'll use that. It's better than any book, it's better than anything else out there. You can get all the Bible studies you want. Now, if you want to know God, just spend time in His Word. Just let it 
was a it's almost lunchtime. Uh, marinated in it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> growl. But that's that's kind of the thought, isn't it? To marinate in God's word, just to let it to 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 come into us. That's some mystical thing. It's, it's it's just becoming God, thinking God's thought after Him, and that's the next part. As we spend time with Him in fellowship of His Word, we begin to think the thoughts after God. Okay. I mean, that doesn't mean that we have like, like really strange and high and lofty thoughts. We, we begin to think like God, okay? Have you all, I didn't, I didn't pull them up, but you all seen those pictures in the, in the Facebook where it has, you know, people who, who look like they're animals, they're dogs, you know? I should start this again if you haven't seen it recently. But, you know, you have the Cocker Spaniel, looks, the owner looks like Cocker Spaniel. Or our husbands and wives, after many years of marriage, begin to look like each other or something like that. Here it is. We begin to think God's thoughts after him as we spend time in his word. We begin to look like God, not we're all powerful and like that. But it changes us when we are with God. Say, so say, I'm really struggling with life. I'm struggling with the discouragement. I struggle with the, these things. And, you know, I try to get ahead and this, this doesn't work. Uh, I try to carve out time for God, but man, I just, you know, there's so many other important things I gotta do. Gotta spend time, fellowship with God. And it will change you. You'll start to think like God thinks. When temptations come, you'll, you'll start to think, you know, you know what? I have a God who loves me. How do I. No, no. Mm-mm. Move on. When you see a need, you start to think like God. You start to have the mercy of God and the caring of God. That's a need. You know what? He's given me this. Let me, it may be money, it may be time, maybe care. God's cared for me. He's given me all of these things. I respond. I give back because it's God. He'll, he'll bless, he'll provide. If it's money, he'll provide. He'll take care of that. But I, I've got to care like God cares. And that's us thinking God's thoughts. Okay? Because we've been in his word, we've been in prayer, our knees. That helps focus the mind, by the way. We don't do that enough. Helps focus the mind when your knees are saying, help, I'm here to pray. Fellowship with God. And this is how we simplify for the new year. Number one, love God. Because of his great love. See, we can do a lot of things for God this year. For God. I'm doing a lot of things for you, God. Aren't I good? Aren't you happy with me? I've done something for you. And not to minimize the things that we do for God. We are to to love and to serve, but that's not the point. We often have to come to the point of being before we can do. The doing rises from a fellowship with God, a love of God. Not of, out of obligation. I checked the box. People saw me do, so they're happy with me now. No. What do we do is just an expression of the love of God. He loved us. How can I, how can I not love him? And so our greatest joy must be God. In the shadow of the cross calls us to his representative love for us when Jesus died. 
And if we have fully come to the understanding as much as we can in our finite minds of who God is, that He would love us so much. This great ruler of the universe, this one who spoke and planets were set spinning into space, this God left all of glory to become a man, to live, to suffer, to be hungry, to be rejected, to die willingly. He gave Himself for us. That's the expression of His love. How could we not love God? Simply love God. One of my prayers this year for our body is that we grow in our love for God and knowing Him. We're often so busy. We substitute the doing for the being. But when we know the love of God, we see even the difficulties of life are for us. Both the joy, the trial, the mundane, and the unusual, all designed for God to causes that for, for us to see God's love and to love Him more. Do you want to see God do a work in our church this year? Do you want to see God do a work in our community this year? It begins here. Simply love God. We're not going to be able to do, quote-unquote, do anything for God this year, end quote. That will amount to anything other than our efforts and our hard work. But unless we love God, we allow Him to work in and through us to accomplish what He wants to do, we'll be... We'll be tired at the end of 2018, but we will not have accomplished what God wants to accomplish. And it starts simply with a love for God. That is all-encompassing, that is wholehearted. That we hold nothing back. That we love as God loves. I love the beginning of year. I love all the parts of year. So, um, <clears throat> God has blessed me with um, with always wanting to look forward. <clears throat> I don't know how your 2017 was, whether it was good or bad, but it's done. It's done. If there are sins you need to confess, confess them. Hey, take care of them. And then rest in the loving God who will forgive and will empower you for 2018. I'm excited for what God will do. I'm excited for how He will work in our hearts and change us to be more like Him if we just simply desire to love Him. If we just simply see who He is. Love God. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, I thank You for who You are for the power of your word. Lord, I thank you that you have loved us in such a great and tremendous way. As Paul wrote, while we were yet sinners, while we were 
shaking our fists, as it were, in your face, puny as our fists are. You loved us. Jesus, you came to earth and gave of your lifeblood for us. And so, God, we, we humbly fall at your feet and proclaim that we are not worthy of your love, but that's not what your love is about. Thank you for loving us in our unworthiness. Lord, help us to grow in loving you. We're weak at it, but you still love us and encouragement. Encourage us as we make those steps. Thank you for not setting us aside, but giving us each new day, each new minute to serve you, to love you. So would you do a work in our church? Would you, by the Holy Spirit, grip our hearts that we see Jesus May we see the wonderful love of Christ that has been shed out for us. May we see the work of the Spirit in our hearts to cause us to always come back to you and your love for us. That that is the most encompassing thing in us. That that is, you are our vision. You are totally in rapture of our souls that we live out our lives in loving you. When we do that, that spills over to everyone else. May we love out of the outgrowth of your love for us. Father, would you change our church? Would you make us more like Christ? Would you make us more like you and loving? It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.